Good afternoon. I invite you to open your Bibles up to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, we'll be reading from there in just a moment. As you're taking time to turn there, I'd like to say welcome, especially to those of you who are visiting with us. Uh, it's good to see you all. You're our honored guest here. And, um, if, you, uh, if you've not done so before, we encourage you to take out one of those welcome cards that we keep in the backs of the pews and fill that out. That way we can have a record of your, of your time here with us. And for those of you that are turning to the book of Mark, I would like to also say that uh, I know this morning we kind of parked ourselves in Colossians. We're going to move around a little bit more this afternoon looking at other verses, but also know this morning that I spoke a little bit longer than I normally do. And, uh, and I'm going to give some of that time back to you this afternoon as we're not going to spend quite as much time, but we do have a lot to think about uh, as we look at this, uh, at this passage. I want to read to you verses 21 through 28. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. And think about some of the things that we learn here about Jesus. It says, They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath He entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at His teaching, for He was teaching them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere and all through, into all the surrounding district of Galilee. Have you ever met someone in your life that was just really, really smart on something? Some matter, some subject. My dad was that for me. We, we would argue and, and, uh, and even now probably believe a little bit differently. But at one point in my life, my dad was the only source of information that I would listen to about hunting and fishing. Nothing else. I didn't care what anybody else could say. Um, the, the, the greatest TV hunters in the world could come down. The greatest TV fishers in the world come down. They say, this is what you need to do. I don't care. That's what my daddy says. That's what I'm going to do. He was my source of authority for those things. If he said you need to go here in the morning, I went there in the morning. If he said you need to use this color jig in this pond at this time, I used that color jig at that specific pond at that specific time. The reason was not because he was my father. And the reason was not because I was afraid that I would be disciplined in some way if I didn't listen to him either. It was because he had authority. It was because he had deer and fish mounted all over his walls. It was because he had pictures of him with five or six northern pikes strung up on a line in Canada. It was because he had been to Canada and killed a bear. It was for all these different reasons. I said, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm going to listen to him. Well, up to this point in the Gospel of Mark... Everything has been kind of preliminary. The, the, we've seen, if you read through it, you see the, the ministry of John the Baptist. You see how he was sent to prepare the way for the Lord. You see the baptism of Jesus, which introduces him to Israel as the Lamb of God. And you see him calling his disciples, who would eventually carry on his work. But now, what we read just a minute ago, we begin to read Jesus' actual ministry. Things that he did. Things that he taught. And when people saw, and when people heard Jesus, they immediately noticed something. This guy is different. 
This guy is different in regards to his teaching. And they realized he was a teacher with authority. And so I wanted to note just a few things about that. One was that he was teaching as one who had authority. If you consider the setting of his teaching, he's in Capernaum, which is on the northwest shore of Galilee. And it's, it's around the area where Jesus lived starting up to his, his, uh, his ministry. And it's on the Sabbath day that he's teaching in the synagogue. Now, Jesus was a Jew. And so as a Jew, Jesus was obedient to the, to the Mosaical law. The law was still in effect. And so Jesus kept the Sabbath. But this provided him with something. The synagogue on the Sabbath day was a place of, of a readied audience. People were there. They were there to remember what God had done. They were there to think about godly things. And so Jesus uses this opportunity to speak with them. In the book of Luke, we get another account of Jesus doing this. In Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 22, when Jesus came to Nazareth, it talks about this. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on Him. And He began to say to them, Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of Him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from His lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? See, this is Jesus's uh, this is his habit. This is his custom to go to a place where, where there are people who are already kind of focused on God and he's going to teach and he's going to speak and, and they are going to notice a difference in the way he taught. One thing that we might think about in the manner in which he taught was that it astonished people. Here in Mark chapter 1, verse 22, we read that. Said him, they were amazed at his teaching, for his teaching is one not having authority. But also in Matthew. Chapter 7, verse 28. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. It says, When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at His teaching, for He's teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. In John chapter 7, verse 48, uh, verse, excuse me, verse 46, the Pharisees are going to send these officials to go, and, or officers, I mean, to go and to, to capture Jesus, bring him back. And they came back empty handed. They say, Why didn't you bring him back? And they say, Because nobody ever spoke like this guy before. No one has ever spoken the way that this man can speak. And so, certainly, the, the, the way that he taught carried with it a lot of authority. But it was not like the authority of the scribes. That's the, what, they, the, what they compared it to over and over again. They said that he speaks not as the scribes, but as one having authority. Well, the scribes in that day would speak primarily from the law that they had, that they had developed over the years. God gave them the law. He gave them the books of law in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But through the years, their, their teachers, their rabbis had said, for you to be able to do this, such as keep the Sabbath, that means you don't do this, and you don't do this, and you don't do this. And they had all of these things that they had added to the law. And so when the scribes would get up to speak, they would say, Rabbi so-and-so speaks about this, and this is how you do that. They would not, but Jesus didn't speak like that. 
He didn't speak as one who was passing authority off to someone else. He spoke as if he had the authority. And you can see an example of this in the Sermon on the Mount. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Listen to the way he, he kind of brings this into view with the way they talk and versus the way that he talks. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he says, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In verse 31, it was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, verse 38, you have heard that it was said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. He, he, he speaks in ways in which he is claiming, I have the authority to tell you something about this. And certainly he did have the authority. He had the authority even to forgive sins, as Mark chapter 2 went on to, to explain in the healing of the paralytic. And in verse 10 he says, so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he he tells the paralytic to, to arise. He heals him. So we see in Jesus' teaching, they heard someone who spoke as if he had authority. He knew what he was talking about, and he, had the, he was authorized to talk to them in this way. But it wasn't just the manner of his teaching. Jesus complemented this, as we read in this passage, with miraculous signs as well. And so not only did he teach as one having authority, he teached as one who was showing authority. We see that in verses 23 through 26 with the power of this authority on display in the casting out of the unclean spirit. This man was in the synagogue and the man knew the true identity of Jesus, that Jesus as the Holy One of God and Jesus rebukes him, casts out the demon. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. What are demons? What are unclean spirits? There's a lot of, of differing views on that. One thing that we can know for certain, while the origin of demons is not clearly stated in Scriptures, the reality, the reality of these unclean spirits is acknowledged. And while it appears throughout the Bible, during the time of Christ, in the life of Christ, there was a huge upswing in, in recordings in, in the Scriptures of, these, of these, this demonic activity. And Jesus would later explain His casting out of the demons was evidence of the coming rule of God or the coming reign or kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28. Jesus was proving, I have the authority to say the things that I'm saying, to do the things that I'm doing by, by these miracles that I perform, casting out these unclean spirits. And then I want us to think for just a moment on that. There was a reaction. A reaction to this authority. The people in the synagogue, again, were amazed. Verse 27. And they wondered and they talked to themselves, what else can this guy do? No, that's not what it says. They said this must be a new teaching. There must be a new revelation. There must be a new doctrine. Immediately, these signs provoke them to think, what is this guy talking about? What are the words that he's using? What do they mean to me? This must be some new teaching that he is bringing. This was the purpose of such signs. It was to reveal and to confirm the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 3 through 4, the Hebrew writer says, <clears throat> excuse me, how will we escape 
If we neglect so great a salvation after it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to those, uh, to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. How are we going to ignore? That's what the, the Hebrew writer is saying. How are we going to ignore the things that the Lord has spoken, the things that His apostles have done through the, through the power that was given to them? This is the purpose for those signs and those wonders. John records in his Gospel that they were done so that they might believe. They would say, and he goes on to say, if everything that Jesus done, uh, everything that Jesus did, if it was all recorded, there ain't, there's not enough books in the world to hold all of that information. But this was recorded and these signs were done so that they might believe. And that hasn't changed till today. It is still recorded for us so that we might believe as well. And they got that. They understood that not only did He speak with authority, He acted with authority, and His fame then spread throughout all of Galilee. A natural reaction you can imagine to such an amazing event that they witnessed and that they heard and one that, as we read on in the book, would later become a problem for Jesus as, as people began to flock to Him, shifting away from that idea of what's this guy have to teach to let's see more of that. Let's see more of people having demons cast out. Of them. Let's see more of people being healed. Let's, let's see more of you feeding people with such, such small resources. But the people were amazed. They understood the significance of the miracles. This man must be bringing a new revelation. And thus Jesus was a teacher with authority. He taught as one having authority or power or the right. And He did signs to prove that authority. Now it's tempting for me. As I told you all a few months back, I've been asked by another congregation if I would prepare a lesson on my favorite miracle. It's hard for me not to get distracted by the miracles. It's hard for me not to read and think and just get lost in these magnificent, awesome events that occurred in Jesus' life. But as the people here on this occasion figured out, there is new doctrine. We should focus our attention not necessarily on what Jesus did. While it was there to confirm something, it was always carried over with something that was meant to be taught and learned. And that's where our attention should be drawn to. Later on in Jesus' life, He would claim to have all authority in heaven and on earth. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And He would say to His apostles to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and that the disciples should observe all things that, that they are commanded. And then later on in Acts chapter 2, those apostles would preach that Jesus is the Lord. And they would preach things like what we read in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They would preach things like Romans chapter 5 that says even when, when we were sinners, God sent His Son. Jesus chose to come and to die for us so that Romans chapter 6, we could receive that free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. That in in that passage is a very important part. Because in Acts chapter 2, these people have received a very similar message. They have been pricked in the heart to say that you, the, the, the things that you have done are sinful. There is sin in your life. And, and there's no way for you, in their mind, there's no way for you to get up around this. That's what they thought. They said, how can we possibly be saved? And Peter's response was, you can't. Or Peter's response was not, you can't. It was, here's what you do. 
Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 38, he said, Every one of you repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. If you want your sins washed away, you turn. You have a change of heart. Those people had a change of heart. They looked at the man that they had just crucified in their minds. They thought about him and said, He wasn't a blasphemer. He wasn't just some guy that was out here saying terrible things. And he wasn't what all these scribes and Pharisees were trying to tell us. He was the Son of God and we killed him. That's a change of heart. And that change of heart led to a change of life. What can we do to be saved? That repentance. Peter says, if you want to be free from that, you be baptized. You be washed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today, those who accept the authority of Jesus as the Lord continue the example of the first century church by being baptized into Him and by continuing in the teachings of His apostles in their doctrine. Are you willing to accept Jesus as a teacher with authority today? Are you willing to accept Jesus as the Lord? It involves coming to Him first in submission, being washed by Him. It involves continuing in that by being led by Him through His words, through the words of His Apostle. If we can help you with that in this afternoon in some way, won't you please let it be known as we stand and as we sing.